brought to you by the students of Mary Persons High School in conjunction with MPTV. This is Monroe County Schools Radio, exclusively on Magic 100 FM. I'm your host, Carrie Buckendale. In this week's episode, meet the new man in charge of the Monroe County Schools Technology Department. Plus, we finish our in-depth look at our elementary school's instructional coaches. And the MP Robotics team is taking the competition world by storm. Learn more about the new program. This morning, the new year brought a new face to the Monroe County Schools Technology Department. Joshua Griffiths is the new MC Schools Chief Technology Officer. I sat down with Mr. Griffiths this week to learn a little more about his background and his passion for tech. Well, for starters, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay, uh, my name is Josh Griffiths, and I am coming from the Griffin Spalding County School System, where I spent 17 years in technology there, working with the student information system, uh, data reporting to the Georgia Department of Education and the uh, U.S. Department of Education, uh, working with databases, custom reports, uh, data. Uh, just data in general and, and a lot of other tech support type issues and data integration between different software systems and things of that nature. So you're a digital guy? Yeah. All right, well our students like to ask, did you have to do a lot of school to get to this position? So I'll ask you the same question. Where did you go to school and how long did it take you? Yeah, so I went to uh, the University of Georgia, got a bachelor's in computer science and then I did a master's program in internet technology from uh, University of Georgia as well. So I spent five great years in Athens. All right. Now, how did you land on Monroe County? Well, uh, you know, as you're aware, Monroe County Schools is one of the premier school systems in, in middle Georgia and in all of Georgia. And so uh, when, when I heard that Dr. Mercer was, was going to be retiring, I uh, knew that this was a, a a place and a position that that I was interested in and wanted to pursue and, and see if if uh, it would work out. Well, we are certainly excited to have you. Now, with your technological background and um, what you've done with other school systems so far, why do you feel technology is important for our students? And kind of what's your vision for that? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, obviously, the the pandemic has highlighted you know needs for for technology and and uh, highlighted new ways for, for for us to use technology uh, very important for our students to have a good foundation uh, to, to prepare them for college and career um, you know there, there are very few jobs these days where they don't have to use technology some way shape or form and so uh, we want to to give them the skills they need to be successful uh, for perhaps even for jobs that don't even exist right now. And so, uh, you know, things like, uh, I know we have robotics programs, we have, um, I know that the high school is interested in uh, virtual reality, augmented reality, those types of things. So we definitely want to look at those down the road. Um, and and as we've talked about before, uh, obviously infrastructure is, is, is important. We want to make sure we have a good solid infrastructure to run all that technology on because technology should enhance our work, right? It shouldn't be a barrier to our work or to our students' work. It should enhance, it should make more efficient, more accurate, 
Uh, and so that's one of, one of the things that I'm passionate about in terms of technology is trying to make sure it makes people's jobs easier or for students makes their work easier. And so if we have a, a manual process where staff are having to key the same data into three different places, let's figure out how we can automate that where they key it in once and then it populates in the other systems to, to make the data more accurate and make their jobs more efficient so they can focus on other more important things like supporting teaching and learning. Right now things are always changing in the world of technology. So how, how do you stay up to date on what's going on out there? Yeah, that's uh, that's always a challenge. Um, I mean, obviously, there are a lot of professional learning opportunities that we try to participate in, whether it be conferences, um, webinars, um, newsletters that, that we subscribe to, everything from uh, changes to new features that Google's adding, or it could be uh, threat intelligence reports on the security side. So pretty, pretty broad spectrum, just try to stay up to date reading those things and attending those conferences, participating in those webinars. Um, that's kind of a general answer. All right, I didn't give you any warning on this one and I hope it doesn't throw you too much, but with everything that's been going on in society recently in the last couple of months, one of the bigger challenges in the technology world is social media. And obviously that's gonna fall under your realm too, as well as mine. So I guess my question for you is, what advice do you have for parents as they try to navigate the world of social media with their kids, with this technology that mm -hmm. they have, perhaps through the school system? What would you advise them to do? Well, the, the, the first thing would be just be involved. You know, follow your child, review their accounts, you know, just be involved. Don't assume the best. Um, because even if their child is, is not doing anything wrong or dangerous per se, that doesn't mean another person is not communicating with them. So that's the first thing, just be involved, have access to those accounts, follow them, those kind of things, um, and, and just be a parent. You know, don't be a friend, be a parent and, and protect, protect your, your child in, in those ways. Um, talk to other parents. You know, find out what the new platform is that their child is using, or, or that they're they're monitoring. Look for uh, monitoring tools that help, um, you know, protect the pr pr protect the kids. Um, th those would be a couple of quick things I'd recommend. Perfect. And then finally, I know sometimes our students, my daughter included, will complain like, oh, "I got net ref. It's too late," or "I couldn't get to this website." Why is it important to have blockers like our system with NetRef, yeah. you know, to help kids in the classroom. And at night, why do we have this? Can you explain it to them? Yeah, that's a great question. So there, there's kind of a, a compliance uh, aspect there, then there's a there's a safety aspect. And I'm a big proponent of privacy. And so sometimes, you know, the safety and privacy are, are, can be at odds with, with one another. Uh, but uh, when it comes to our students, safety obviously is, is much more important than privacy. And so uh, there is a law uh, that requires us to have content filters and things like that to pre prevent children from accessing inappropriate materials online. And so we have a statutory requirement to, to filter some of those things. And then we just want what's best for students. And so we want to know if, if they need help or if they're in a dangerous situation. We want to be able to alert you know, the counselors and other support staff who can help them. Um, if uh, 
people are communicating with them in inappropriate ways, you know, we want to protect them from that as well, whether it be student to student or, or otherwise, you know, we, we want to, to see those things and, and protect them. So safety really is the, the short answer. All right. And one final question on a much, much lighter note, because I'm sitting in your office and I'm looking at some stuff here. Who are you rooting for Monday night? I will be rooting for the Georgia Bulldogs to finally uh, pull off the, the win against Alabama. Um, I was present at the game the last time Georgia beat Alabama. Uh, I will not be present on Monday night, but I will be watching. All right, well, we hope you enjoy that game. We are so glad to have you here in Monroe County, and we look forward to seeing what you do in the technology department. Thank you, glad to be here. As Mr. Griffiths mentioned, the world of robotics is growing nationwide and right here in Monroe County. Our Mary Persons Robotics team entered and won its first competition this school year, and that's not all. This team is on fire, winning multiple competitions and even breaking a league record. Let's check in with Team Cerverus for more about the program. Hi, I'm, I'm Jerry. Hi, I'm Trenton Wheelis. This is my first year of robotics. I'm Eli. I'm Hayden. And we're part of Mayor Persons Robotics Team Cerberus. So can you guys tell us a little bit about what Mary Persons Robotics does? What is it? We do a lot. There's a business team, a building team, a coding team. Currently, we just kind of work on the robot along with uh, coding it. While the business team takes care of mostly everything else, dealing with notes and getting sponsors and talking with community supporters. In short, we build robots. Do you guys build them from scratch? Do you guys start with a kit of parts? What does that look like for y'all? We do start with a kit of parts, and from there we can decide whether to use guides online to build a bot like theirs, or we can brainstorm come with designs of our own. So what did you guys decide to do for this current season? At first, we went with a basic bot design that we found online for both the frame of the robot and the arm. But then afterwards, we made a new robot, well, not really a new one, but a new frame for it. And then we attached our old arm to it, and currently we're working on a new arm to attach. Yeah, so our bot is kind of a mixture of like predetermined uh, robots and our own ideas. Okay, very cool, very cool. So can you tell me a little bit more about the competition that you compete in? What's it called? What, um, what's the point? What's, what, what's the organization about? Okay, so this year, it's a, okay, robotics is held by a, com uh, a company called FIRST, and there's multiple levels to it, like FIRST LEGO League, FIRST Robotics, and then FIRST Tech Challenge. But Mary per uh, our Mary Persons team, we do FIRST Tech Challenge. This year, every year there's a different challenge for each team to overcome, and this year it's called Freight Frenzy. So what is Freight Frenzy about? What problem in our world is this game trying to promote? Shipment and delivery. Considering how big of a problem it is right now with all the trucks needed to get stuff into the United States itself, dealing with current problems like that is usually what most of them are about. So how is that real world issue reflected in the game? What's, what is the concept of the game this year? We have to move different objects across the board to different locations and we get points based on uh, where, where we place them on the board, where our robot ends up on the board, and different factors like that. Not to mention we also get points taken away 
if we do anything wrong with the shipment elements, if we mess things up, like how in real life, say if like a truck crashes or something's wrong with just the system itself and something goes haywire, that's gonna reflect onto the company negatively as well. And so it kind of mirrors reality and how the scoring system works. And uh, also the, the better reflects um, the actual shipping stuff like freight the different freights are weighted differently so that you have to take that into account when shipping it. Very cool. So can you tell me how do you score? How do you win? What does that look like in, in this game? Okay, so there's three sections of a, a game that takes over around two minutes. The first 30 seconds is an autonomous code to where our team has to uh, make a code that makes the robot run by itself and uh, accomplish different things such as scoring freight on different levels, uh, parking in different uh, places, or spinning a carousel. The second part is the driver control uh, section to where uh, one of our teammates drives our robot and does the same kind of the same task as the autonomous period. The last 30 seconds of the competition, there's the section called endgame where different challenges are open for us to score even more points. So tell us a little bit more about autonomous mode. How does um, that work? The autonomous mode, well, because we don't have a driver controlling it in that period, we have to use, um, like for example, machine learning um, with cameras to create computer vision where we can scan a barcode to say deliver um, a shipping element to the right spot. How can people uh, watch these competitions? They can go to our YouTube channel where we record all the matches and edit the points so you know what everything that's going on. Or you can come visit the actual meets. Very cool, very cool. So what are some of the next steps for MP Robotics? Uh, we have our final two meets, four and five, of our practice season. And on January 8th, where we'll go to FPD, where we, we will compete against other teams such as Mercer, uh, FPD, of course, and then Taylor County, where hopefully when we get there, we'll have our new arm assembled and our autonomous period improved from last time. Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so some of you guys did robotics in elementary and middle school. Can you tell us a little bit about how that experience has prepared you to be successful in this level? Or um, what are some of the things that you guys would like to tell some younger robotics members? Well, for me, it was a big shift between first Lego League and first Tech Challenge, especially how you assemble the robot. You're no longer using Lego pieces like you used as a kid, and the coding's a lot more complex compared to just dragging and dropping certain blocks. But it did. It does help you teach. It teaches patience and coding, and then teaches you gracious professionalism. Whenever you're at competitions, even if you don't win, you are respectful to others, and even if you win, you're respectful for others, anyways. Yeah. So gracious, gracious professionalism is a big component of uh, first robotics at every level, from uh, first Lego League Junior to first Lego League to first Tech Challenge to first robotics. Can you guys tell me a little bit about how MP Robotics is embodying gracious professionalism in the classroom and at competitions, uh, and in our community? Well. At, uh, at competitions, we really like to socialize with the other teams. 
um, like we have a really good partnership with Mercer um, because they they like to socialize as well so we are able to strategize and work together that's awesome so if there was one thing that you guys were asking the community to do to support you guys in robotics what would it be come to our meets I guess yeah it would be nice to see people in the community come in to watch us and cheer us on. Very cool, very cool. Supporting our fundraisers too, I guess. Also check out the YouTube channel. Yeah, very cool. Well, thank you guys so much for your participation. Is there anything else y'all would like to add? Four and five, we need four and five, January eight, nine, yeah, eight, eight. Very cool. All right, thanks guys. Our instructional coaches work hard to help the students and teachers of Monroe County. Today, we wrap up our three-part series with a visit to KB Sutton Elementary School. So what is an instructional coach? I don't know what that is. Okay, so an instructional coach, we're kind of like the liaison between the principal and the teachers. So basically, I'm the teacher's cheerleader, pretty much. Okay. Um, I am a support system for them. So I provide professional development for them. Um, if I if they need to model a lesson, I can do that for them. Um, I disaggregate data. So uh, all of the data that our students accumulate from uh, Georgia Milestones, benchmark assessments, unit tests, I look at all of that data and I get together with the teachers to help devise a way that we can kind of help assist our kids. Um, we're, we're just pretty much the ones that sit and make those professional learning communities get together and figure out what we can do to best help our kids. Uh, okay. Well, yeah. how long have you been an instructional coach? I actually, uh, this is my first year. <laughs> um, I was actually an eighth grade math teacher at the middle school. Um, I was there for five years. And um, I just got into this new role. This has actually been my long-term goal for a while. Uh, so I'm very excited and it's a jump because I went from middle school to elementary school. So yeah, it's, that was kind of, uh, it was different, <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm so blessed to be at KB Sutton. I absolutely positively love it. But yes, I've been in the role since August or really since July. That's good. That's good. Yes. How did your education experience prepare you for this position? So uh, a great deal, actually. Um, I I got both of my um, postgraduate degrees in curriculum and instruction. So that really helps me not only from the curriculum side, but also from the psychological side. So I got to kind of know how kids pre-K through 12th grade um, how their brains are developed and, you know, just the different ways that uh, we can assist kids um, throughout all branches, elementary, middle, and high. Um, but although I had some great experiences there, I would say the most beneficial um, experiences I've had is in the field. Like, as I was a student teacher, that was the best experience I could ever have or shadowing a principal or shadowing another instructional coach okay well what do, what do you do on a day-to-day -day basis like what exactly <laughs> well <laughs> um it kind of varies <laughs> um 
I, it, it depends on the day. So some days um, I might be holding a curriculum meeting with teachers. We'll sit and we'll talk about data, different ways we can kind of do interventions with our kids. Um, some days I might be actually in the classrooms, which I love because I miss my classroom and I miss, you know, having my own students. So I kind of steal their students. So I love to kind of go in and, you know, model lessons or co-teach. Uh, so I do a little bit of that. Um, researching. I like to, after I talk with teachers and try to see what supports they need, I'll sit and I'll conduct some research to kind of see like where I can find the right resources for our kids to help bridge the gaps. Um, oh, what else? I talk to the other instructional coaches because since I'm new, you know, I'm always, you know, lagging onto them all the time just to kind of get some advice. And I'm always uh, talking to Dr. Brown, our principal and the assistant principal, uh, but, but it varies. I'm wherever I'm needed. Like I, I said, I'm the support. So I'm wherever I'm needed. It's everywhere. It's <laughs> the most rewarding part of the job though. Seeing growth. And when I say that, I mean growth from students to teachers to even myself, because as I'm going through this position, like outside of the classroom, I'm learning more and more about myself as it pertains to leadership and how I can lead others and show everyone how great they already are. Um, so in the classroom, I always like seeing that light bulb with my kids. Like I'll be teaching a lesson and they're like, they're looking at me like this. And then I teach another way and they're like, I got it, I got it. The same thing happens with us as adults. It's refreshing to kind of see that, you know, what my work does, it matters and it's clicking and it's setting through, exposing people to brand new things. That has to be the most rewarding part for me. All right. Well, what is the most challenging part of the job? Um, well, being in a, in an elementary school that's pre-K through five, I think the most hardest part about it is just making sure that I'm there for everyone. I feel like sometimes I'm not, um, and that, that bothers me because I always want to make sure that like everyone knows that I'm, you know, hands-on and ready to serve, but you know, it's, it's hard for me to be in multiple places or doing multiple things at once. So that can be a little bit difficult. Um, but on the flip side of that, my administration team is real supportive. So a lot of things we sit down and we do take care of and, and we, you know, divvy it out. Um, but I think that would be the most challenging part is just mentally making sure that I'm readily available. All right. What are what are some specific ways you support teachers and students in the classroom? So, like I said before, um, I love co-teaching. I think co-teaching a lesson or modeling a lesson are two of the most beneficial ways that you can support teachers in the classroom to help them see how to best support their students. Um, we have every school has several key areas of focus. So um, every day I always try to look at one area of focus and one specific grade level and subject area and tackle that. Um, 
I think for me as a first year instructional coach in a new school, uh, one of the things that benefits myself and the teachers is getting to know them first as people and then as teachers, because I have to establish that relationship first. It's just like with my students. My students trusted me because I developed that relationship with them. So as a first year instructional coach, I wanna make sure that I develop those relationships first. So developing relationships, modeling, co-teaching, collaborating, I think those are the, the big essential things. Wow, okay. What do you think has been one of the biggest academic successes at your current school? To be quite honest, I um, they just completed their universal screener. It's called STAR. They do it for reading and for math. And I am pleased to say that over 80% of my students in the school showed growth on their STAR reading and their STAR math. And um, I actually had prizes for them. I hyped them up. I was talking about, you know, growth and what it means. And they got so excited about it. And I told them that it's not just about a score. It's about how much you can grow. Because, you know, with COVID, everybody feels like, you know, they're so behind. They're so behind. They're so behind. I got to get caught up. And so I just wanted to change the piece to growth. And once I explained it to everybody, these students, like, they, they came out of the waterworks, man. It's awesome. It's awesome. I hype them up every time I see them. So I think that is the biggest success is that star reading and star math growth. Well, that's great. Well, that, those are all the questions I have here with me. Okay. Uh, thank you for being here and answering them. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Monroe County Schools Radio exclusively on Magic 100 FM. Have a great week. Remember to be a champ. And as always, go dogs. The thoughts expressed in this segment represent Monroe County Schools.